As we look at this this morning, that a very familiar, I, I think, I hope, portion of Scripture for you. And um, I don't know how far ahead are, you are in your Bible reading, but I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet. Very interesting. Several, Brother Fred said he just got through Leviticus, and boy, he was, whew, he was sweating through that one. That was, <laughs> that's a long book, and it's, it's a tough book, ain't it? But praise God, I hope you're staying with it. Joshua 4, notice if you will, verse 1, let's start out, and it came to pass. Notice, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones. Ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men which he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God, into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever, forever. If you will, jump down to verse 20. Could you do that? Verse 20, notice what he says. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Ye shall let your children know saying, Israel came over this Jordan on, on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the uh, waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over. Notice this, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. And here's the text this morning, verse 24, that all the people of the earth, notice that, not local, not just the nation, all of the earth might know what? The hand of the Lord that it is mighty, underline that, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. That the hand of the Lord is mighty. That everyone would know who God is. Now again, this morning, thinking about all that God has done over the last five years or so, and uh, we go back to the beginning, as you saw in some of those pictures, and uh, boy, I'm glad you sped that up. That would have been a real long video, wouldn't it? Uh, that was cool. You think about all the way back, how God began to work. And again, it starts with a vision a vision of seeing something started. We have a great need out here in the East Mountains. Uh, the influx of people just recently, within the last 10 years or so, that have moved out here. Others that have, some of you are transplants. You come from another place or another state. Thank God for you. But there's a great vision that was started with the vision and then begin to really take form and shape into what we have today. Now, I don't know if you know anything about church planting, uh, but what we have here is a very unique situation. Uh, I tell people often, I, I go to these uh, pastors meetings and uh, I even go and preach at other churches from time to time. And I tell the people, I always try and start out my message by telling them a little bit about my testimony and then about what God has done with us here at uh, uh, Faithway. And it's a unique situation. And every time I tell it, people always come up to me after the service and say, Brother Tim, that's amazing. You're only five years old? I say mentally, no, uh, I say, uh, yeah, our church is only five years old. And they say, that's incredible. We've never heard of somebody getting their own building, becoming self-supporting, 
and uh, seeing all that God has done in less than five years. I say, I know it. I know it. To God be the glory. It's because of the Lord. I don't know how, what else to say to people. You ever been in the situation? I don't know what to say, except for praise the Lord. It's God's work. Now, again, think about this, that God has done amazing things. And what I want to point out today in Joshua 4 is the fact that, that he told Joshua, now, Joshua, I want you to remember this. We have a nasty habit of forgetting what God has done for us, don't we? And he says, because of that, I want you to go and have 12 men that you chose take up a stone out of the Jordan River and bring it up to where you camp at tonight in Gilgal and set them up. Now, it seems pretty uh, elementary. It seems rather uh, simple, doesn't it? Just a bunch of stones set up. He says, yeah. And here's the reason. That when your children ask in the future, children means future generations. What mean these stones, Dad? You say, that was God's work. You know, you and I, if we're not careful, this is what I do. I like to take the credit. We got here into the promised land. God put us here, but we did the work. No, no, no. God did it, didn't he? And we need to set up memorials in our lives to remind us, to remind ourselves of who God is. And in verse 24, he says that all the earth may know that God is mighty. He's a mighty God. I want to point out a few things this morning and then we'll be done. But just a, hopefully a reminder and an encouragement to you. Number one, I want you to notice these stones that are memorials. First of all, they're a burdensome stone. They're burdensome. They're heavy. Now notice this again, verse 5. These are not stones that they went and grabbed. They're not six, eight-inch stones. These are large stones. For it says, And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder. These are big stones. In fact, they're large stones. Some estimate pretty large they estimate that it took maybe two or three men to actually pull these up out of that sand in the midst of the river, pull them up out of the sand, and then hoist them up onto a shoulder to carry them out. They're burdensome, aren't they? One of the stones we're going to set here for our church as a memorial is burdensome. It's heavy. If you're going to do anything for God, it's going to be heavy. There's few days that uh, you serve God that it'll be pretty easy, right? It'll be pretty light. Some of you have found that out recently as you've been faithful to church and serving the Lord that uh, it gets heavy. And it's not easy to come to church. Uh, try, try getting six kids up. <laughs> and come on now, get just can't. Every Saturday night, there's a problem. Every Saturday. Some of you remember your kids when they were little. Man, it's a problem. Somebody's not feeling well. At three o'clock, they come in. I, I, I don't feel good. Uh, something's wrong. There's an issue. You know that. There's so many other things that go on. It's a burdensome stone. It's something that you're going to have to pick up out of the floor, the river, and put up on your shoulder. And so often people want to come and serve God and take a little stone by the hand and say, I've got it, Lord. Now what? No, 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 no. You're going to do anything significant for God. Remember this. You will gain true enemies and false friends every time. It's like getting money. You ever have money? You get a lot of money? What happens? Before money, you really didn't have many enemies, and you had some good friends. But then you get money, you see these people that win the lottery and other things, what happens? They get true enemies and false friends. They just want to hang out with you because of what you got. They want to be your friend. They're fakes. 
And when you serve God, you're going to realize this very soon, that it's sometimes a lonely road. It's sometimes a burdensome stone that you have to carry. Secondly, let me say this. He says, take those stones and take them back to the place where you will lodge this night. In verse 3, that's a great picture for us. Take them home. That's where it starts, isn't it? It's at home. Take them home. Daddy, what does this mean? It's a memorial to what God has done. Mama, what does this mean? Grandmama, what does this mean? It's a memorial. And I want to say again, as we begin uh, to go forward, if you will, in our ministry here, as we continue to go forward, I should say, in our ministry, we're going to see as we go through, we set up stone after stone, that in the future generations, they'll say, what mean ye these stones? Now, we're no fools and we're not naive. We know that in probably 50 or 60 years from now, if God tarries His coming, doesn't take us home, and if uh, uh, some of you are still around, I don't know. We're, no, we're not naive. This building may become dilapidated. They may come and bulldoze it over and put a feed store. I don't know. I hope not. I hope the next generation will take this church and run with it and keep it going and take the torch and the baton and keep going forward for Christ, for God. But we're not naive. We know that there's a future coming and that everything tends towards disorder and one day it will become dilapidated. And maybe they'll point out and say, what means these stones? There was a church here one time. The stone of 2020 and 21 and 23, 24, we got uh, the burden. And uh, I, if you're like me, when the Lord begins to knock, you know, sometimes you go, oh, no, <laughs> Lord, what? And I felt it wasn't really kind of leading us this way. And I was working in another church at the time, and I felt the Lord leading us this way. And I said, Lord, now... Now, I, I want to remind you of something. You ever do that to the Lord? I want to remind you of something. Very, and he's so gracious with us, isn't he? I said, Lord, now I want to remind you of something. that uh, uh, That's where I grew up. And uh, I can't go back there. They all know me there. And uh, he said, well, who else, who better to send? I said, oh, that's true. That's true. And so we took the step of faith and we stepped out by faith and came out here in 2019 it was, in March of 2019, we had our first service and and so on and so forth. And things started to get rolling and we were doing pretty good. We had actually we had about three or four families that were coming. We were up there in Cedar Crest for a while renting a, a church building from another church on Sundays. And we had a good group coming and we were doing pretty good. And then COVID came, didn't it? And I said, Lord, what, what in the world? What happened? And uh, I, we still laugh about it today. But our theme for that year, the year of of COVID was arise and build. Remember that? <laughs> Out of Nehemiah. Arise and build. And yet we sat and did nothing. <laughs> we, we couldn't do anything. It was so funny because I was preaching one morning and we had the theme, the, the, the words of the arise and build on the wall behind me as I was preaching. And I said, this year we're going to arise and build. Well, it doesn't matter what the government says, what COVID said. And the words fell off the wall. <laughs> and everyone started laughing. And I said, that's not very nice. And I was getting into it, and I turned around there laying on the floor, and I thought, okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell us here? <laughs> and in the, the midst of all of that, as you folks know, we had the blueprints already sent off to get uh, to the county for getting permitting. We had our piece of property over here on Dinkle. We were getting ready to build on, and we had everything going. And yet God kept shutting the door, and we said, Lord, what in the world? What do we do? What do we do? And God began to work. And uh, we had to meet in uh, your house one time, didn't we? And I think your house. And, and, and we met in a gymnasium one time just for our church services till we could find out what we wanted to do. We finally got over to a little rented office space over there, you know, next to Subway. 
And uh, we were meeting there for about two or three weeks. And then the, the city manager calls me and says, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? Are you that little church there? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you can't meet together. I said, why not? He said, you got to get approved through the commission. I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. He said, yeah. And I said, well, how long will that take? He said, well, the next meeting we have is about eight weeks away. I said, okay, that's fine, but we can still meet together, right, in that time? He says, no, absolutely not. Not until you get approved. I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so we waited around, and it was about two weeks, and then he called and said, hey, good news, we bumped you up to the next meeting. I said, great. So I went over there to the city hall there, and, and uh, the lovely place that it is. And boy, I was telling Brother Noah back there, I said, man, that's a snooze fest. You ever been to one of those commission meetings? No, I shouldn't speak ill of our, our leaders here. But man, it's just like, uh -huh. And then finally, after this lady gets up and complains about somebody's on her property and their gate is on her property, and then this other guy gets up and says, well, yeah, yeah, well, my neighbor, this, and there's a bunch of whining and complaining. And then finally they say, well, who's, who's last on our agenda? And they looked at their little sheet, you know, oh, uh, uh, Brother Tim with Faithway Church. <laughs> so I got up and, what, what, what is your intention? So I told them, well, we're here to start a church and blah, blah, blah. And I waxed eloquent for about five minutes, you know. And they said, ah, okay. And he, he did the little thing. Tink, you're approved. I said, that's it? I've been sleepless nights. I've been waiting up all these. So you made us win. That's all you're going to do? I didn't say that. But I said, well, thank you very much. Okay. So we kept going for a while at the little office space. As you recall back, uh, every time you came to church, we left on Sunday mornings about 12 o'clock and we all smelled like Subway bread. How many remember? You know, when you go into Subway, you come out smelling like the bread? We'd sit in there. We'd get hungry all of a sudden. And I'm like, man, why are we so hungry? We got sick of Subway real quick, though. We got sick of it. You could hear their music bumping through the wall next door. And for some reason, the manager over there turned that music up on Sunday mornings. I don't know what for, but it was loud. It just the things you got to deal with. And finally, we got a dear lady friend of ours. She's a realtor. And she called and said, uh, have you seen that property that came up for sale? No. We looked at it. We drove over here and we pulled up. And as soon as we pulled up, I said, uh, no, -uh, too big. <laughs> Oh, ye of little faith, right? Too big, can't, hand, can't, can't afford it, no way. So we come, we, look, we peeked in the windows, and I thought, man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be so awesome to have that. That'd be so cool. And we prayed about it and prayed about it. And Lord, if your will be done, and uh, you may saw the pictures, we, we stood outside here uh, on several occasions and prayed and said, Lord, if you want us here, you'll put us here. And I'm glad to report to you, we've been in here about three years now. Praise the Lord. It's amazing how God, what God does, right? And you, you just think about what God is doing and how we see, we've seen. We saw the baptisms, and uh, that was just some of them. We've had more. You know that. We've seen people saved and come to know Christ. And that's why we're here. And that's just one of the stones I'm saying today that people look back and say, that's because of Him. That's because of God. We've got to take the stones home, He says, to the lodging place where you are. It starts at home. There's several stones in the Bible. There's one called a stumbling stone, as you know this. Psalm 118 refers to this, and he says, The stone which the builders rejected, that's Jesus Christ. What happens? It says he's become now the head of the corner. He's the cornerstone, or another way, a capstone. You ever studied the pyramids of Egypt? The Great Pyramid has no capstone on it, does it? I believe that's for a purpose. I don't know who built the pyramids, and I'm not a conspiracy guy, but... I think the Jews, while they were there, had something to do with it. I don't know what you believe. There is no capstone. Why? Jesus ain't there yet. He's not back yet. And Jesus one day very soon is going to come back and his feet are going to touch down right there in that promised land. He's going to take care of business. He's going to handle it. They rejected the stone. 
They put him aside. Isaiah 53 says he was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. We didn't know who he was, he says, when he came. We put him aside. There's a stumbling stone. Jesus Christ is referred to in the Old and New Testament as a stumbling stone. Not only the capstone or the cornerstone, but a stumbling stone. He's a rock of offense, isn't he? Meaning what? When people come to Jesus Christ, they trip over him because he's offensive. What Jesus teaches is offensive. You can say God and Lord all day at work, but until you, J-E-S-U-S, you have a problem, don't you? Until you bring up the name of Christ, you have a problem. He's a rock of offense. People are offended at him. And I want to encourage you today that all of us have stumbling stones that come into our lives, and we ought to take them and use them as a stepping stone. So many people fail to see this. If they would have seen Jesus for who he really was, they could have used it literally as a stepping stone, not Jesus himself, but his work as a stepping stone to what? I'm on higher ground now. I got saved. I accepted who he was. And you and I, as we face life, and if we're going to set stones of memorial out for the future generations, we can't get tripped up with the stumbling stones in life. We use them as stepping stones to step up on. You can have it trip, you can trip over it, you can bust your shin up and bust your hands and knees up over that stumbling, the problems of life. No, I'm going to take and use it as a stepping stone to do more for God, right? To be more for God. Joshua and the people of Israel could have taken this and said, oh, it's too hard, we can't do it. It's too difficult, we can't do it. And God reminded of them all that he did in the past. Now, just to remind you, chapter 5 comes in. And it says in chapter 5 that all the nations that were on that side in the promised land, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the other ites that are there, they all were in fear. It says this, their hearts melted when they heard the nation of Israel cross the Jordan River, that God dried up the Jordan River for them to cross over. Why? They know who the mighty hand of God is. Now they come into the promised land, and you remember just a little incident here, that they come and the people in Jericho, the first city they meet, in fact, Rahab says this. She says, uh, we've been waiting for you. What do you mean? Well, we heard what God did at the Red Sea over 40 years ago. We've been waiting. We've been in fear. We've been just on edge for these decades waiting for you to... What did the nation of Israel think, though? Well, we can't get over there. Getting... All the nations are bigger than us and mightier than us, and, and we're as but grasshoppers in their sight, and it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Do you know that the people are watching us today on the outside of this church? your unsaved friends, the people outside of there, they're watching. They're seeing what we're doing. They're waiting. In fact, just a few weeks ago, last week, in fact, we were out passing out our, uh, our tracks, inviting people to church. And a lady right over here, just across the street, right up the way, I gave her one of these. And she said, oh, you're that church. I said, yes. She said, we've been watching you. I said, oh, you have? She said, oh, yeah, we've been watching. We drive past you every day to get to, get to our house. We've been watching you. <laughs> She said, you have more cars there, don't you? I said, yes, praise the Lord. We're trying to get more people there. They watch, don't they? They're listening. Your neighbors are listening. They're watching. People around us. And we ought not to take in fear people. Oh, I wonder what they're going to think. I wonder how they... It doesn't matter. If God wants us here, He'll put us here. God will put the fear of God in their hearts when they see us. Now we continue on. They're burdensome stones. These are stones that we'll have to take and lift up. We'll need help from other people. That's why you want to be a part of a local church. Don't try and do this Christian thing on your own. It's not going to work. You need help. We're here for you. You got to put up with us? Yeah. Okay. 
You got to deal with us? We know. But you need to be here in a local church that we can help you. We have some people just recently going through and battling through some very difficult seasons of life. Cancer and other things. And we need to come together as a church family to pray. I feel so sorry for Christians that don't have a church home. They just pray on their own. I hope somebody's praying for me. No, we come together in this. Why? Sometimes it's burdensome, but we need it. We're setting up memorials. He says down verse 7, lest ye forget. We have a nasty tendency to forget. He says, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Forever. The children come, and it's not if they ask. Notice, it's when they ask. It's not if, it's when. Your children, or uh, if you don't have children, the Maybe some people, some children or people behind you, the generation behind you, your grandchildren. It's not if, it's when. That they will challenge your faith, won't they? They'll challenge you in that. Now pray for me, I'm not quite there with teenagers yet. And I know you're, some of you are chuckling because you hold on. Just hold on. But they will, won't they? They'll challenge your faith. Mama, is what you live and what you preach and what you believe, is that true? Daddy, is that true what you, you do? You, you, you make us go to church and you try to be faithful and you give your tithes and offerings and you pray at night and you do, read your Bible. I mean, I, I want to challenge you on that. And they will, won't they? And they say, Daddy, what is this for? I want to remind you that one day your daughter will call and she'll say, Mama, we're having trouble. You ever been through something like this? Yes. Things ain't working out like I thought they were or should have. It's not doing too well. We're not having, I mean, we thought everything was going to go grand and great, and it's not working out like I hoped. And Mama said, yeah, I've been there. And we point him back to the stone. You remember the stone I've set up? You remember that? Your son will call one day and say, Daddy, I messed up. I mean, I screwed up royally. She'll I don't think she'll take me back. Okay, here's what we do, son. We point him back to the stone, don't we? Here's the Bible way to do it. And I want to say something again, that we're setting up stones today for the future generations. And listen, they may drive by in 60 years from now and see a dilapidated building. They may bulldoze this thing over. I don't know. That's not up to us. But I want to remind you, it's our generation. It's your responsibility today to do all that you can, dead level best, to be the faithful child of God you're called to be. We know this because Joshua says later in chapter 24, what's he say? He gets everybody together. He says, I want to make one final announcement before I die. He says, you choose what God you want to serve. You want to serve these gods on this side of the flood? You want to serve the gods of the land here? The pagan gods? Go ahead. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Yeah, but what about the other generations, Joshua? That's up to them. I did my part. I did all I can to facilitate for the next generation. We put it all together. Uh, you know this. I read this recently, but... There's really two generations to a church. There's the pioneers of the church, which we are here, starting the church and getting it established and getting it going. And then you have the settlers, the next generation that comes. They don't have to build a building. They don't have to find a piece of property. They don't have to really, right? That's how it goes. But we work hand in hand. The reminder is, though, that I've done my part. Joshua says, I did what I was supposed to do. It's a memorial. It's a memorial. They're faithful. Notice verse 10, though, it's a faithful stone. Verse 10, For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people, according to all that Moses commanded Joshua, and the people hasted and passed over. Did you see that? Paul tells Timothy something very similar. 2 Timothy chapter 2, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, 
the same, not different, the same, what I taught you, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. He says, Timothy, here's what I've given you from God. I'm teaching you this. Timothy says, yeah, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, okay, yeah. He says, take what I've taught you and teach it to faithful men and then tell those faithful men to teach others also. And that's the generational thing. A dead church is when we stop teaching other people. A dead church is when we cut the blood flow off and stop reaching other people. You've been in a church like that, I'm sure. I walked into a church one time and I was speaking at the church and I walked in, and you could cut the tension with the knife. I mean, you could tell. Nobody was happy. Nobody shook each other's hand. Nobody said, hello, how are you? Good to have you here. It's when you stop reaching people and discipling people and having a heart and a passion to reach them. But notice what he says. They were faithful. He says, stay there until it is all finished that the Lord commanded us. What Moses told us to do. What he got from God, God told Moses, Moses told Joshua, Joshua then told the priest, and he says, stand still, stay there until all is finished. And the priest stood there in the midst of Jordan and waited. He says, now everyone's clean, passed over. Okay, wait, now the Lord says we need to pick up these stones, get 12 stones out of the midst. Okay, once that's done, then we'll be done. There's a work to be done here. And sometimes it takes us just being faithful. I can't emphasize enough what it means just to show up to church. Just show up. Yeah, but you don't know the trouble I've been... Just show up. You don't know what we went through yesterday. We had a big blow up, a big... Just show up. Be in, be in church. Be faithful. I can't emphasize enough what it means just to be faithful in your Bible reading when you don't want to read, when it is Leviticus, right? When it is tough. Keep going. Prayer. You, by the way, when you... The least you want to pray, you have those days you just don't even feel like praying. That means somebody needs prayer. I don't know. It's happened to me so many times. Oh, or that person God puts on your heart to pray for that you don't want to pray for. You're going, I don't like them, Lord. <laughs> I mean, they offended me. Uh, they're rude. I don't like the way they are. I don't, they're just pompous. They're, they're cocky. They're proud. You know. And you pray for them. And then I really needed prayer that day. <laughs> I needed it. Being faithful. And we need faithful people to set up some stones of faithfulness. We'll never get to 10 years, 15 and 20 and 25 if we're not faithful. Oh, my friends, you know it to be true. There were people with us this time last year that aren't here today. Some of you have just recently added to our church, joined our church. Praise God for you. I hope you stay faithful. Stay faithful. We need help here. We need people to come and help us and guide and be here with us. He's a faithful stone. There was confirmation given. He says, and there is a mighty God that we are to praise. We are to praise. We are to lift up. We are to lift up. Notice verse 14 here, and we'll bring it home. Verse 14, on that day, on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. What did he do that was so special? One thing, he obeyed God. He obeyed God. The greatest thing you can do for your children, the greatest thing you can do for your marriage, the greatest thing you can do for the people around you, for your sick mother and father, or whoever you're dealing with helping, the best thing you can do is be obedient to this book. It sounds cliche, I know. It sounds a little elementary. The best thing you can do is be obedient to this book. Period. Some of you are shaking your heads right now because you know that to be true. If I had just followed the book, we wouldn't have had an issue. It doesn't mean it wipes away all your problems and pain and doesn't remove cancer. It doesn't do that. 
The best thing we can do for the people around us, and especially ourselves, is obey the word of God. And Joshua said, Lord, speak, thy servant heareth. I want to know what you want me to do. Because ahead of us is great battle. They've just come through a great victory. But lay ahead of them is what? Great battle. Chapter 5, great battle. Chapter 6 is Jericho. One of the most heavily fortified cities in the whole valley is the first one they come to. I like when people say, I got good news and bad news. What do you want first? How many say I want bad news first, right? Yeah, several. I like that better. <laughs> Just give it to me first and then rip the Band-Aid off, you know. The first one. And you can imagine Joshua, Lord, I mean, could we have started out with maybe a little smaller city first? <laughs> Heavily fortified. The walls were so thick, they actually lived inside the walls, as you know. They could run two and three chariots across those walls. Heavily fortified. And yet those spies crawl up that side of the wall and they get up there in the one place that they would be accepted with no questions asked. Where would it be? The prostitute's house. Nobody asks questions. What are you doing here? We know why you're here. You're, you're a foreigner. You're an outsider. What are you doing here? Well, they know why they're there. You know, old Miss Kitty or whatever. They know why. The one place. And they come in and Rahab says, uh, hey, uh, what are you doing here? Uh, you looking for a girl? No, we have some serious business. What is it? We're children of Israel. And fear struck her heart. We've heard of you. We've heard of you. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting. And the unconventional way with which they operated. Again, let me say this. When you, as I, my point is obeying the word of God. When you obey the word of God, it's unconventional. It's weird. It's different than the world, isn't it? And God says, hey, um, should we set up some, uh, get some men up in the front and then... Uh, Maybe plan on shooting arrows over the top. God says, what? Nah, uh, just march around the city. Wait, what? <laughs> That's suicide. Those guys stood on the top of the wall and just shot them right down the top of the head. You know, <laughs> suicide. But the city of Jericho was so fearful and so scared, they were cowering inside the walls. And they heard them marching around. <laughs> Onward, Christian soldiers. Marching. These guys are nuts. They're crazy. These are not, they're crazy. And then on the last one, what they do? They blow the trumpets. They blow the trumpets in unison. And the walls began to crumble and the walls began to fall and they fell in on themselves and crushed thousands of people and they took care of business. Took care of business. God says, listen, you obey my word. It won't always be easy. It'll be unconventional. It'll be a little weird from time to time. But I want to do it that the people may know that there's a mighty God, a mighty God, different God, the gods that the Jericonians served were pagan gods that they worshipped, idols that they worshipped. Same idols that are, by the way, worshipped today. If you do a study on these idols, pagan idols that they worship, same exact idols that Hollywood worships. Same exact idol. Girl, woman, she's a goddess, promotes one thing, sexual immorality. It's nothing new. We know that. Right? It's nothing new. And these gods they would pray to, and, oh, deliver us from the nation of Israel. Oh, deliver us. Deliver us, Baal and Ashtaroth. Deliver us. Nothing happened. Elijah on the great Mount Carmel, I said last week, he stood up and he said, maybe your gods are asleep. Maybe they're on vacation. You may need to wake them up. They began to cut themselves, didn't they? They began to beat their chest. They began to uh, do all this stuff. Nothing happened. And he said, uh, can you get back a little bit? Stand back. Let me show you the real God. And the people in unison chanted, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. They found out who He was. It's not rocket science. We know who God is. 
And yet so many people let the fear of these pagan people get in us. You can't do it. You can't start a church. I had a dear elderly man stand right out here in the foyer one day. And he said, uh, how long you been in the building? I said, oh, we just got it. He said, boy, it's a big building for just a few of you, ain't it? I said, well, yeah, by God's grace, we're going to fill it up. And he laughed. And then he left. And in a vindictive way, I thought, man, I wish you would come back. He could see what God has done. There's people that laugh, don't they? You're faithful to one woman? Yeah. <laughs> right? You're honoring to your husband? I mean, you actually make him dinner and bring it to him? Oh, that sounds uh, a little chauvinistic to me. You go to church every Sunday? You even go to church on Wednesday? You show up to a Bible institute on Monday nights? And you guys are weird. You're fanatics. What are we doing? Setting up stones. I must conclude here. I must conclude. There is a rejected stone. And that stone that the builders rejected became the head of the corner. I want to remind you of this, that every once in a while, again, you need to go back to the very last chapter of the Bible and read it again and read it again just to get your heart stirred up to remind you that we're on the winning side. Another pastor put it this way. We're on the side that wins. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And when your children come in the next generation, say, Daddy, what are these stones? Mama, what are these stones for? You say, these are the memorials we set up to prove and show that God's hand is mighty. We're not here wasting time, twiddling our thumbs. We're trying to be busy for God. Reaching people. We might not be the most dynamic church or the, most, uh, the church with the, most, uh, uh, the, the best things. Reaching thousands of people. We're doing our part, though. And God takes and put us at a post. And He says, man this post. Stay put until I come back around. Yes, sir. We stand and we man the post. Has he come back yet? Who? The general? No. He only came by once. He said he'd come back. Why are you so faithful? Because he said he'd come back. Why you always have everything put in order and you always try to look your best and try to do your thing? Why you always... Because he might be back anytime. He told me to stay put. He told me to... Yeah, but you don't have everything here that we have. You don't have everything that the other church has. In fact, friends, we had criti critics in the early days. And they said to me, one person said... Do you realize you're one mile from the largest church in the East Mountains? I said, yeah. <laughs> Do you realize you're in a crossroads too far out of town? Yeah. Well, what we're finding out now is that everybody from the north, from the west, and from the east, they all have to come to this intersection to go to Walmart. And everybody goes to Walmart, don't they? Amen for Walmart. In the beginning, we didn't think about that. We went, well, we're kind of far out of town. I don't know. God said, hang on. My ways are not your ways. I've got a little plan for you. And we've been out passing out our gospel tracts, inviting people to church. And you know what everyone says? Oh, yeah, the one on the corner, right? 344 and Frost. Yep. We drive by it every day. Some of these older ladies go to Walmart three times a day. You know? <laughs> we drive by it all the time. But I'm saying that God has a plan for us. We're setting up memorial stones. And we're saying, God, you do your work here. We want people to see what we're doing. And I know you have the same heart that I do, that by God's grace we'll be here for a lifetime or however long he'll have us here. We'll say, God, we did our part. Every one of us soon will stand before the judgment of Christ. We'll give account for this life. And we'll say, Lord, we were faithful where you put us. Wherever God puts you, some of you, God's going to move probably due to job or work or something. I don't know. Some of us, we know all of us, are going to pass away. And we'll be faithful where God... I put you in Edgewood for those five years. What did you do? I put you over there at that little church for six, seven, eight years. What did you do? Are you faithful? The memorial stones that were set up. Today, you could go over to this area, what they believe is Gilgal. And it was the campsite of the first campsite of the nation of Israel that they came to. Later on, the same city, Gilgal, will be used in different ways. And uh, 
They believe these stones are the stones. Some refute it. Some say it's not, but some believe it is. But there are 12 large stones still there. Thousands of years later, still there. What mean these stones, Dad? Oh, that was when God brought us over the Jordan. An impossibility. What mean these stones, Mom? Oh, that? Yeah, we went to that church years ago. God was faithful. What mean these stones, people? God was faithful until the end. God is true. And I want to encourage you with this this week. Take this thought with you. You can trust a God, a mighty God. He's referred to as Almighty. Almighty. He is the most powerful. He is the God of all gods. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the King of all kings. He's still in control. We don't serve a God. As the nation of Israel lifted their voices on Mount Carmel, they said He is the God. Definite article. The God. There is none other. Sadly, the nation of Israel would drift away from God and quit believing, wouldn't they? They would go into a time of a kingdom period, which was a horrific time. They would later go into captivity, which was even worse. And now today, they're still awaiting their Messiah that they missed. We today know who He is. And today we can set up memorial stones and say, God, you do your work here. We're anticipating. We're waiting. We're ready. Amen? We're ready. I believe God has so much more for us in the days ahead. Hey, listen, He may return tonight. Wouldn't that be great? Just take us home, Lord. Brother, uh, uh, I think it was Brother J.R. said, it'd be nice if we didn't have a sixth anniversary. I said, yeah, that would be nice. Lord, just take us home. Hey, the reality is some of us may not be here next week. We don't know our day. And I'm so thankful that you are so faithful to our church and helpful with our church. Every one of you in here, every one of you have said, Brother Tim, is there something I can do? Can I bring my tractor? Can I help out with the tile? Can we help with the flooring? Can we help with the sign? Can we do something? Thank God for you, all of you being so faithful. We will not make it another five years if we stop now. Praise God, we'll keep going. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? What mean ye these stones, Dad? God's faithfulness. I hope you have stones set up in your life that you can point back to and say, yeah, that was when God was faithful. Don't forget what God has done for you. He brought you through that horrific time. You pleaded with Him in a hospital room. You knelt by your bed and asked God to salvage your marriage, help your kids. Don't forget what God did. It'll encourage you. You'll set up stones.